0: Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. I want to clarify in the very beginning that I got permission from Tom to tell this story. You have to get permission from family members. Uh, The story goes like this. Tom attended a small high school. Back in the days, it was called a B class high school in a town called Roxton, Texas. And of course, since there were not enough boys to fill the football team, basketball was the sport. So when Tom was a senior in high school, the Roxton Lions qualified for the state basketball playoffs. They did eventually lose, but they lost at the championship game placing second for that year. Well, about five or six years ago, Roxton made it again to the state championship. So Tom says, I'm going to go watch the Roxton Lions play. So we packed up Joshua and Luke, and we went to Austin to watch the Roxton Lions play basketball. Well, there were several games, and in fact, again, they made it to the championship game. And we were cheering and having a great time, uh, cheering a team on which I, I didn't know anybody, but <clears throat> I knew Tom. So as, at, the, at the, almost the end of the championship game, I get this tap on my shoulder from somebody behind me, and I turn around to look. And this lady goes, who are you? I said, well. I didn't really know what to say, so I said, "I'm married to Tom Watson, and he played on the championship team the last time they made it to the state finals." And she goes, "I know Tommy Watson. He is the son of Madge Watson. He's she's he's her little boy. He's at about six now, so six, six feet." So, luckily, my credentials were not only accepted, but they were received with great exuberance when they found out that I was married to Tom, whose blood was pure. So, she knew who Tom was, and everything was okay. Well, I think Mark asks that same question of Jesus in this reading today. He asked of Jesus, who are you? Now in this passage, the two groups that really should have recognized Jesus first, his own family and the teachers of the law, are both blind to his true identity. Jesus' relatives are blinded out of concern for him or Concern for the reputation of the family. And the scribes were blinded out of hostility, the rejecting of Jesus and his message. But both stories are born, bound together in what they call the sandwiching of the stories. The scribe's story is sandwiched within the story about the family. In other words, the first slice of bread starts with the family, and the last slice of bread is when Jesus gives a new definition of family, and in between is the meat, where Jesus deals with the the scribes who called him Beelzebel. So the story begins, Jesus has, along with his disciples, has gone home, actually more uh, likely he went to the Capernaum home of Simon and Andrew. And although Jesus entered into a house, the crowd began to gather. They were anxious to see and observe more healings, more casting out of unclean spirits, and so they pursued him to the building. Then his family arrived, and they sent a message to Jesus from outside, because they were not with Jesus, they were outside. They, they were trying to seize Jesus and to persuade him to come with them, having heard that the people had been saying that he's gone mad. Maybe he's outside himself. In fact, perhaps his family were thinking, Why does he always have to confront the temple leaders? The conviction, though, that Jesus was a deranged person really is is less serious than that issue of of the scribes in which there is a repeated accusation by the scribes that he is possessed. They said, he has Beelzebub and by the ruler of the demons, he casts out our demons. Now, they never questioned whether Jesus had cast out demons. What they were questioning and what they were asserting is that he had done so with the power of Satan. Now, in the midst of this conglomeration of the clamoring crowd, the family uh, seeking removal, Jesus set aside this family issue and addressed the accusation. And so he asked them a question, and he says, How can Satan cast out Satan? You know, if a kingdom is divided, if it's at war with itself it won't stand. A situation, in fact, that Israel itself had experienced. And if a house is divided, the family is destroyed and and falls into pieces. But both truths have been experienced within our country and in our community. We have this sense of being divided and we also have the sense of division is unproductive. We're divided by political parties, by conservative and liberal, but I think we're more specifically divided by the attitude of my way or the highway. So the point that we make is that no group or entity divided against itself can stand. So having destroyed the logic of the scribe's accusation, in other words, Jesus has tied up Satan, Jesus can identify himself with the strong man, able to now plunder Satan's power, able to free those bound by the demons of self-indulgence, of the consideration of self-only, of addiction to drugs as well as egos an addiction to wealth, self-importance, and status. Jesus has no kinship with Satan. His kinship is with God the Father. For through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus came to set people free, to offer forgiveness. Now the Holy Spirit, that holy breath, life breath, that same spirit that created life, gives life through grace. The good news is that Jesus said, Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven of their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. While raising the question of an unpardonable sin, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit harsh and immediately we all go oh my gosh have I done an unpardonable sin I am surely surely doomed but we are to remember that the spirit at work in Jesus Christ that spirit by which he casts out demons is the holy spirit of God So to confuse the Holy Spirit with an unclean or demonic spirit, in other words, reversing good and evil and attributing the saving acts of God to the destructive power of Satan, that is to deny God's forgiveness. The unforgivable sin is not committed by those who seek God's grace, those who trust in God who loves The unforgivable sin refers to the they, the they who, the T H E Y, who continue to repeat, continue to teach, he has an unclean spirit. So the unforgivable sin is simply the rejection of the power of God's healing forgiveness. Because they were saying is one translation that Mark had that indicated an ongoing rejection of God. Not the doubt of honest believers, not those seeking God even though in doubt. What places one person in mortal danger is the considered the deliberate rejection of the God at work and through Jesus? Jesus, the strong man, saves through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we get to the final slice of bread, that sandwich. For his mother and his brothers come and call to him. And so the crowd, and think about this crowd, this crowd has observed all this conversation And so the crowd tells him, Your mother and your sisters and your brothers are looking for you. And so Jesus looks at all these people that are here, more than his disciples, all these people that have paid attention to what he said and listened. And he looks at them and he says, I want to tell you this. Who are my mother? and my brothers." And he says, let me tell you who my mother and brothers are. They are the one who does God's will. So Jesus reveals his kinship is with the one who do do the will of God. So this new kingdom that Jesus has initiated is a kingdom not based on blood, but on doing the will of God. It's a new kingdom open to all. All, all who serve the will of God. So it it is a call to this church, to our church, that there are no walls, there are no doors. All are welcome. All who do the will of God. So the question for each of us is, does the true identity of Jesus be revealed in us? Do we forgive? We say daily, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. But to forgive also includes re-establishing relationships. To forgive means no revenge. No, they need to get their just reser- desserts. So the question for the church is, does the church reveal the will of God? Do we love as God loves? Do we first love God with our heart, our soul, and strength? This does not mean, well, soon as- I get elected the most popular and everybody loves me now I can love. No no, it means I love God before all else. God first. So today we must ask ourselves. We need to look in that mirror and ask who are you? Do I as an individual, and we as a church reflect that true identity of Jesus by proclaiming the good news of forgiveness. It is as the psalmist wrote, O Israel, wait for the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. With him there is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel and us. For their sins, our sins. Do we proclaim proclaim the good news that families, those that are close to us, are bound together not by blood or the happenstance of birth, but we are bound together in the caring and the loving of each other, which is doing the will of God. Who are you?